Welcome to Office Talk, a fortnightly podcast featuring in-depth conversations with leading architects about their approach to business, marketing, and communications. I'm your host, Dave Sharp, an architectural marketing expert and director of Office Dave Sharp, a marketing practice offering specialized consultancy, marketing, and PR services tailored to meet the particular needs of architects. Visit officedavesharp.com to learn more or follow the practice on Instagram at officedavesharp. This episode was sponsored by ArchiPro. ArchiPro showcases the best and latest in the architecture and building industry and helps to connect homeowners with trusted trade professionals and products that will suit their needs. For architects and designers, ArchiPro helps you to create a profile for your practice in a way that best expresses your brand and your work, and then it directly connects you with a niche audience of people on their architectural build or renovation journey. Many architects rely on word-of-mouth referrals or search engine traffic to find new clients, but it can be difficult to attract the people you really want to design for and work with. That's why ArchiPro helps clients to match their specific architectural taste and budget with the right architect or designer for their project. You can also use the platform throughout the design and build journey with your clients by directly sharing inspiration and sourcing products for your projects as well. So if you'd like to find out more about ArchiPro, visit www.archipro.com.au. Joining me on the show today is Sophia Leopardi from Williams Burton Leopardi, a leading architecture and interiors practice based in Adelaide. In this episode, Sophia and I discussed how the practice found a niche for itself, bringing new life to Adelaide's beautiful heritage buildings while blurring the boundary between architecture and interiors. We discussed why the studio does all of their own architectural photography and styling in-house and how that's contributed to the practice's distinctive and consistent brand identity. We looked at how Sophia and David Burton navigated the retirement of the studio's founding director, Robert Williams, and used it as a catalyst to embark on a significant rebrand. And finally, Sophia shares why she believes buying and refurbishing the floor of an unloved heritage building in Adelaide city centre and eventually turning it into their own office was a pivotal turning point in the success of their practice. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Sophia Leopardi from Williams Burton Leopardi. But before we get started, just a quick heads up that I did have some microphone issues with this episode again, so please hang in there and we'll be back to normal next episode. Sophia, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, absolute pleasure to be here. So let's maybe start off as we always do with a little bit of an overview because uh, it's always great for listeners to get a bit of a sense of what the studio is about and what type of work you guys do. So maybe just um, give us like the real basics on like what is Williams Burton and Leah Party? Sure thing. So we are an architecture and interior studio. We're based in Adelaide, South Australia. We work out of a studio. We're located on the third floor of a really beautiful heritage building, just over 100 years old. And we're right in the heart of the CBD here in Adelaide. There's 16 of us all together, including myself and co-director David Burton. And we're roughly, roughly a 50-50 split of interior designers and architects. Uh, We also have a studio manager, Yuko, and design manager, Maddie, that are part of the team. And they wrangle us into some sort of cohesive shape to get our work done. And that work is sort of predominantly in the residential sphere um, with lots of alterations and additions, new houses, um, and then a little bit of commercial work, but generally on the smaller scale and stemming from that work that we do in the residential world. That's so cool. So um, I guess, you know, in terms of the type of work, so those are the project types, but is there a sort of pattern or niche that you guys kind of see yourself within like a certain type of client or a certain type of project? Like what do you sort of narrow in on and then go, yeah, that's definitely a WBL project. And I'm just going to call it WBL from now on because it makes things a little bit easier for me. It's a little bit of a mouthful otherwise, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, alterations and additions, I would say, are what if you ask me to sort of describe our typical project. And I think it probably speaks to a great amount of really beautiful old villas and sort of heritage houses within Adelaide. And so when someone is fortunate enough to buy one of those and when they're engaging us to have a look at it, they're really looking to work with sort of that existing structure and story that's there and I guess build their own next chapter into it. And so if I was to narrow in on what it is that sort of defines us, I would say, you know, it's kind of what the the studio has been founded upon and it probably still remains our, probably remains my favourite work. Um, I'm 
it's open to be. Um, my mind changed on that, but currently, yeah, um, Alston Ads is probably our signature. When you, there's, some, there's a little bit of a hesitation there to go Alston Ads is the signature because I guess it's seen as this kind of starting category of work for residential architects where you start off doing sort of alts and ads and then eventually you go oh when am I going to do all the new builds and that's where you kind of will get to really do whatever we want and a lot of people's goals kind of go in that direction but you're kind of going oh you know what that's kind of what we really like doing and we're kind of known for it and yeah I agree I think in some ways I guess there's this perception that in order to really express yourself as a designer and a point of view on design you need a whole building and a whole clean kind of slate to really demonstrate that and I think in some ways because we've sort of had those you know what might have sort of been seen as limiting factors of an existing structure or you know in heritage overlay we've sort of within that found our our way of of really bringing that to life in a new way being I guess kind of obvious with where the the new and the old sort of meet and the new sort of kind of stretches out of that but yeah, it, I do. I love it. I love a, a storied building, a building that kind of gives you some sort of juice to work with, if you like. Yeah. Um, and even if the client doesn't have a super refined brief, you can really dig out some gold from an existing structure. Yeah. I have this feeling like those restrictions and those limitations and those constraints that we can only do little bits where we're not, we don't have this complete rule over everything. It's some way fed into your marketing where I think it's forced you to be kind of more creative in terms of how you photograph things and stage and style things because you haven't done this super overt architectural gesture. You've done these very small little details and touches and sometimes that can get lost in or we can kind of get lost in the noise a little bit out there in the world. So I don't know, that's my, that's the start of my theory for, doing, for you and your Yeah, content. no, I, I like that description. And I think the photography and, and how we represent our work is something that we've been working really hard on. It's something that I think, you know, initially when our work potentially wasn't quite as fulsome. So, you know, when we were engaged to do an alterations and addition, it was, you know, I'd say it was more heavy on the addition, less on the alterations. So, you know, this sort of this sense that, hey, we've done all the fronts done. We, we love it. It's all finished, um, but we just need a new living space out the back. And I guess over the years, as we've sort of evolved our process, as we've sort of been able to capture and demonstrate what can be done when you really look at something holistically, our projects have really become, you know, that moment you sort of enter the site, not even the front door. So the moment you're sort of walking up to the, the front gate or the driveway, you get this sense that something's kind of happened here. It might be a very gentle sort of gesture, but you can certainly see that it's it's a design that kind of captures the entire site. And so, yeah, the... The way that you sort of capture and describe that and share that really then, I guess, um, brings that next project to you. And particularly over the last couple of years, that's really shifted for us in a really positive way. Yeah. What do you mean over the last couple of years that's really shifted? What is that sort of due to, do you think? Um, I think probably the quality of our photography, the quality of the way that we describe our work and talk about our work. And so we're sort of chatting with a warmed up audience, if you like, as opposed to sort of starting a conversation kind of cold. And so it's very much either we've seen what you've done or we've visited one of the projects that you've done and we just love the whole package, I guess. And so um, it's, yeah, it's bringing clients that are really on board for the whole schmeal, if you like. Yeah. So do you, it sounds like you've reached that stage where you're seeing kind of the results of some of the great you know, hard work that was put into your kind of marketing and content two or three years ago or four years ago or five years ago, that's yeah. panned out now. And you've got these clients that are coming in the door that they haven't just looked up, you know, architect on Google or in the <laughs> yellow pages or whatever. And then they've contacted six of them and gone, or, you know, whatever, give us a fee proposal. They're, they've come to you going, oh, we really like your work we follow you we only have maybe only approached you we want to work with you guys like so is that sort of the experience you're getting that they've kind of already sort of made up their mind it's most definitely the trend and you know we're sort of getting better at you know when that's not the case kind of recognizing that earlier and sort of having a strategy for having the right conversation up front to ensure that we're, we're going to be the right fit for that client yeah 
We touched on imagery and photography and how important that's been to you and part of the process. It's a big part of the reason that I wanted to have you on the podcast, actually, because you've got such a unique strategy that if we could call it a strategy, but you use a photographer, Caroline, who works for your studio as an interior designer, um, correct, right? Yes. Yeah. She's a senior associate with us. She's a a multi-talent. <laughs> a multi-talented senior associate. Yeah. And she takes the most beautiful photos ever of your projects. It just yeah. absolutely kills it. Does not miss. Every single photo is just absolutely gorgeous. Oh, I hope she listens to this. She's such a humble creature. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the only practice that I've interviewed on the podcast that is getting published regularly at a national level in print everywhere that is that has that that has a photos taken by a staff member so i hope caroline doesn't hear that because she might go out and realize she <laughs> she could be a, she could uh, be very very much killing it as an architectural photographer in the market um but 100 percent agree but let's, so, like, let's edit, let's edit that then out potentially mm. but it's just such a different approach because you know there's not many people that come on the podcast where their photography is not done by one of the regular kind of household name architectural photographers. And so you're very much against the grain, but I think what that's ended up doing is giving you a very unique, differentiated look and feel that you're not just hiring the same sort of five, six photographers that everybody else is hiring, which normally I'm giving people the, the, up the other direction on the advice of going, you know, stop hiring your mate, the guy that does weddings on the weekend to hire your projects. You need to go and find a more reputable architectural photographer to shoot your stuff and then it will be more publishable, et cetera. But I think WBL is the exception to the rule. Yeah, absolutely. I guess like many things at WBL, the whole process of Caroline becoming our photographer was a, a gentle, slow build in that she needed to, I guess, in some ways, I didn't want to kind of like ruin her one outside creative outlet by saying, hey, <laughs> let's bring a bit of that in, <laughs> in yeah. the studio. But through some different circumstances, the photographer that we had um, been working with pretty consistently was taking some time out. We had a project that had just completed. It was actually a very, um, it was a small um, hospitality fit out. And I think Caroline just got to the point where she was like, I think I'm ready to kind of put my hand up and say, I think I can I can shoot this. And that was sort of our first project that she shot for us. And I guess from that point on, it became very evident very quickly that her talent for capturing landscapes translated beautifully into a building and an interior. And I guess one of the lovely things about it is that it's the photography alongside, I guess, the styling or what we kind of call the curate part of our process is really kind of deeply embedded within it. It's not sort of this process that happens at the end of the design process. It's something that's kind of this cumulative building of how we're going to capture this building, what's the narrative within this, what are the special moments within this space, who's the client, what's the journey been. And, you know, Caroline as the photographer gets this inside understanding of a project and this sort of slow briefing process if you like of how we're going to capture this space yeah we've got um alana within our studio an interior designer and she leads what we call our curate process so sort of works Mm. with clients in the early stages of design to sort of chat to them about how we'll be furnishing and styling the space whether there's any particular pieces that are important and special to keep, whether that's, you know, an heirloom or something with some sentimental value. And we sort of begin building the package of sort of furniture and those final elements alongside the design. So it's really levelling up the importance of that within a project, again, not as this sort of isolated element that hasn't been considered as part of the overall design, but very much sort of embedded and kind of workshopped through the process. So you guys don't turn up to the photo shoot and like open the rental truck and pull out the, the vase <laughs> and the pot and oh, the weird chair. And oh, Alana will, Alana will tell you we're fond of a prop and we're fond of, of floral uh, arrangements. So we like to have plenty of options, but yeah. a lot of the time and more and more and more, again, I would say the, the overriding trend is we're bringing less because yeah. we've sort of gone through that process, you know, and we've, 
the projects that we're completing have this beautiful framework of furniture and as much as we can timing the, the photography so that, you know, there's that time for that kind of final layer of overlay to come in place and for the garden to grow and settle a little bit. So the um, preparation for the shoots is far less OTT than it used to be. <laughs> but yes, Alana does an, an incredible job of wrangling all of all yeah. of that. And it's a, yeah, it's a really important step. It's not it's not purely about, you know, creating this kind of contrived moment. And exactly. And is that, is that, do you still do sort of like a one day shoot or is it, cause you've got, you know, you're not working with a commercial photographer. You don't have the restrictions of them having five other things to shoot that week. Yeah. But do you still sort of do it in one sitting or do you break but- it up into different parts? We try and be as efficient as possible with it. So, you know, part of the the downside, if you like, of bringing that uh, process internal is we have we have to make space for that in our programming. And I guess project dependent, there's been a couple that have just been so big that we've needed two to three days to kind of get it done or weather is such that, you know, you sort of split the exterior photography from the interiors. Um, but also really conscious most of the time our clients are living in the house when we're doing this. Yeah. So you're sort of really conscious of not imposing yeah, too much totally. on their time. Again, on the whole, clients love the process. They love sort of seeing this thing that we've all invested so much time into. It's like prom night or whatever, It's but it's looking at yeah. best. And so generally speaking, people are really excited to have it done. But we're sort of, you know, between one to two days for a shoot. Yeah. And then I think also there's there's real value in being a bit disciplined with that if you give yourself again like anything those boundaries it sort of forces you to be to clarify what's really important to capture yeah yeah absolutely so you've been super fortunate to have Caroline and, and Alana really running that process and being mm. extremely talented and what and it feels like what that's brought is a lot of consistency to to your imagery across like your portfolio and your social media and everything because I guess there is this debate out there about whether you should sort of find one photographer and stick with them forever and then you get that consistency benefit and all that, all these other sort of relationship benefits and everything. Whereas there's the maybe more strategic view of going, okay, pair photographers with projects and what your sort of publication interest is and all yeah, this sort of... And, and like, leverage their own brand, you yeah, know, leverage their brand, yours, yeah. like let's go get out with all these sort of influential photographers and it's that very sort of making all those chess moves, but yeah. you've just got the great, you're sort of more in the first camp, you've just got this simple option of that's what we do and we're really consistent and you can look at one project and the next and it all feels like it's part of the same brand identity really really important yeah we, we better make sure we keep caroline happy i do i do work pretty hard on that front. but no i think as you're probably picking up i really enjoy that part of the, the yeah. process and i think the work that we do we strive to bring a connection to the clients that it's for and the context mm. that it sits within so that in itself is going to create quite different outcomes from a design perspective i mean i think you know all of our designs i think are hopefully underpinned by an approach and some values that bring consistency in terms of the way that, you know, they might look from a form and the the interior kind of detailing and resolution that there'll be some consistency. But again, this is probably where I love alts and ads, depending upon the building and then obviously the client, those two factors massively sort of impact that sort of variety that you can create within, within your work. And that's, I guess that's what keeps it so interesting and inspiring is that every project has the potential to be something quite different. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like Interiors has just risen to this extremely important and culturally relevant thing that it's it seems to be like the most important part of the industry at the moment, it feels like. I feel like in terms of the media and how architecture is popular and what what's popular in architecture it feels like it's being driven by that interior perspective more than ever and no that i've seen (laughs) do you do you get a sense that it's become like this extremely important element that a project that lacks it or i know i feel like a project that lacks it or doesn't have that element is just a little bit dead in the water these days and you sort of you kind of need that that other side yeah i feel like it's certainly more obvious because it's kind of becoming less of the norm to have that project that clearly has not had that sort of level of consideration I guess 
Mm. We've for a long time been talking about architecture and interiors as one and, you know, it's taken a number of years to actually get to that point where it is truly one thing, but it is from our perspective, we've always talked about buildings are experienced from the inside out. And I guess our whole approach when looking at a design is to really alongside sort of setting the design narrative and, you know, sort of the aspirations of the project in terms of what we want them to achieve. It's really looking at the planning and the flow of a space and how you're going to experience that and how it's going to function for you. And until you have that kind of set and right what that manifests as as an you know external architectural statement it kind of it's very secondary to how we'd sort of approach it so and I think that is probably maybe a bit of a general shift in terms of the purely architectural sort of statement is great to look at but not so good to necessarily live in if it hasn't been had had that sort of level of consideration yeah I get the sense that it's client demand is driving that shift as well, because quite often, you know, when I begin working with a new practice, I'll sort of survey them on what are maybe some reasons that that you think people might be reluctant to work with you at the moment, or what might be some sort of issues or challenges that the brand mm-hmm. faces. And quite often, what's mentioned is we we're seen as have lacking capability in interior design or interior, like you know, the interior side of things. And I think practices are picking up on this sense that clients are going, well, I'm sort of seeing this as now as being maybe a bit of an incomplete service if you're not going to also help me with these other elements. Do, yeah. you, do you think there might be something in that potentially? Uh, I, and maybe that's, you know, to, to go back to the beginning of our conversation when we're having people come in and rather than it being sort of the sell of, our, and we do this and we want to do the yeah. furniture and we can help with this, it's we just love what you guys do and we, we just want we want the complete yeah. picture. You know, we want you to be thinking about at a framework level how the landscaping is going to integrate with the building and how the building integrates with the interior and how the furniture fits into that. So it's, yeah, it's most definitely more of an expectation and I guess the time that we've all had to sit in our homes in front of devices and screens and just the connectedness of the world where we can be exposed to what a holistic project looks like that is becoming Mm. I guess yeah the expectation. Mm. You mentioned values earlier and just kind of interested in another side of what I think the studio does really well is I think you guys do a great job of just having a sense of personality and a sense of maybe like lifestyle or all values that you feel that you share with your clients, you know, like the sort of philosophy that life is about certain things, homes are about certain things and sort of putting putting yourself out there as a brand and going like, you know, this is to say that this is what we think kind of like life is about and what buildings are about is pretty awesome and it takes kind of confidence and sort of self-awareness to do that. So I guess like I'm interested in just maybe bigger picture, kind of where do you guys come from with that? Maybe looking back to sort of your initial thoughts on making that call to go like, let's let's describe this stuff. Like where did this stuff come from? You guys developing this idea of this is our client persona and this is what we're about. Yeah, so I guess maybe taking even a few steps back, um, yeah. back in time. Um, <laughs> Please, take time <laughs> we'll machine, be, let's go back. Yeah, exactly. So Rob Williams, who founded um, the studio in 1983 as a sole practitioner, so it will be 40 years old next year. Oh, my God. In its uh, long history. So um, Rob was a sole practitioner. Dave Burton joined him in 96 and became a director in 2000. I found myself in their boardroom um, three months before I officially graduated in 2003. They were going to employ a, um, another architect and uh, one of their architects that I'd sort of become friends with through a part-time job I had at another architectural practice whilst I was at uni sort of said to them, have you guys ever thought about maybe getting an interior designer? And they were sort of like, oh, oh yeah, maybe. Uh, I think they were very unsure exactly what it was that we do and probably um, the perception was more in the, and, you know, Adelaide at that time, it was more probably an interior decorator kind of service as opposed to an interior designer. So joined as an interior designer and over a number of years sort of, I guess, became embedded in the in the practice, became an associate and then a director in 2014. And that point in time, the business started as, you know, Rob Williams' um, architect and then when Dave became a director, it was Williams Burton. 
Um, and then when I was made a, um, an associate, I guess, as an acknowledgement of the importance of interiors, it was Williams Burton Architecture plus interior design. And so <laughs> I think that name in its own clumsy uh, way sort of probably suggested where we were at in terms of that integration process. It was, I, I joke a lot there. They're, they're beautiful, wonderful, open, open-minded, nurturing people. That's why I'm still here. But um, I guess you know, the discussion around, you know, Rob was looking towards retiring and we were thinking about, well, what is this thing that we're kind of creating? Um, We had a sense that, you know, our best work was when architecture and interiors were conceived as one. Um, So we knew that was a good direction to sort of head in. So when I became director, we embarked on the process of looking to rebrand. And it was sort of probably about a two-year process. And What? Yeah. Is that fast or slow? Slow. Slow. Two years to rebrand. <laughs> yeah, we've it's, it's, like it's four a gentle, gentle, most. Unbelievable. gentle evolution, Dave. God, no, it's so we, gentle, we, like watching paint dry. I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. It's like an iceberg, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It did take a while. Like, I do laugh. You know, I sort of, I guess once I'd sort of decided this is a place I want to stay, I can see a huge opportunity here. It was like, right, I can see, I can see what this can be. And I, you know, was probably quite impatient in some ways. I was like, we, you know, but looking back on it now, I was actually super patient, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> but we, we sort of thought actually, you know, it would be lovely to get an outside perspective on who we are and how we can present ourselves. So we approached... I think we had one Sydney branding company, maybe two, two, two Melbourne-based agencies, and we sort of chatted to the three of them, which was in itself a fantastic process. And we settled on moving ahead with Studio Round to, uh-huh. to kind of really reimagine what Williams Burton Architecture plus Interior Design um, could, could be. And I think that was just such a pivotal moment for the business, that, that engagement with Studio Round, the process that we went through with them, the questions they asked us, the considerations and the self-reflection we had to do as part of that. What we loved about them was it was, it was less about the visual and it was more about what sat behind it. And mm. so, you know, it was, you know, um, really understanding the business, understanding our service, understanding the values that sat behind that. So, you know, they asked us this question. They said, so what is your outward-facing client engagement model? And we were like, sorry, watch. Uh, <laughs> Man, I'm like, sorry, what? I do this for a living. Yeah. That's, please explain. They're like, we want to know what is the process you take your clients through from start to finish? Like what is the first phone call to when you're like giving them the flowers and champagne at the end of the project? What's the process? And, of course, we had a process, but, of course, we didn't have it written down and, you know, have a way of articulating that in a clear, concise way. But the, the briefing process and the process with them, I love our branding and I think it still holds up. Totally. But the most valuable thing we got out of that process is clarifying that that those steps we take and articulating that in a way that's kind of uniquely us and is underpinned by the way we like to go about design. And so the branding that they came back to us with was really also centred around this idea of designers' conversations. So our branding has the little line that sort of suggests that, hey, this is us, but we Mm. want to know who you are. You know, this Mm. is what we think, but where do you sit on that? So it's this sort of continual process of asking questions, and then really listening to the, the feedback. So, mm. and also as part of that, we engaged a business coach, which, you know, he and Rob sort of worked with. And then when I became an associate, I was sort of invited along to those sort of coaching sessions and the seminars. And I just loved it. I was just, mm. I loved the idea of stepping back from the work and thinking about how we work and how we can work better it was just such a freeing kind of process and inspiring and you know a really great way of managing workload as well if you can sort of sort of have the ability to kind of step back so I think the kind of coach that we engaged on the business helped us to do a value session with the team at the time where we sort of you know it's quite different and new for our team we hadn't really you know the leadership of the business would kind of go off and do this coaching seminar and people would sort of know oh well they've gone off to to sort of you know, attend something, but, you know, this workshop was prop- was the first time we'd sort of shared that with the team. So again, it was, a, it was a great process and the values that we sort of established out of that really helped us to then 
go on and brief studio around and they were able to really just digest it and articulate it back in a way that was just wonderful. Yeah. So when, when was that studio round re-ran? What, what year roughly? So that happened between 2013, 2014. And then we sort of launched end of 2015 and it coincided with Rob's retirement. So people sort of thought it was a little weird that Rob was retiring, but his name was remaining a part of this. And given that it was this moment where it would have been an obvious time to kind of go, well, this should be called something different. I guess our feeling was the whole spirit and DNA of what the brand is, is based on people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my early years with Rob, you know, probably the greatest thing I took away from his approach was just his like genuine love of people and genuine um, service to clients. Such a hardworking and patient person where I would be sitting there thinking, I cannot believe you are still discussing this colour, but he would. And just this real dedication to looking after people and looking after their project. Yeah, exactly. And it's also just really interesting that your practice has this history to it. I mean, every single guest I have on the podcast is usually the, you know, the principal architect of a successful, relatively successful practice and recognised practice and I'd say like 95% of the time, it's a studio that they started in the last 20 years and they're from there from day one to now. And there's not really anybody that has this kind of like fashion house vibe of this place was founded in the 1880s by so-and-so <laughs> and it's been kind of like stewarded along and it's kept that name and that brand identity. I don't know, it creates this kind of like... I think it's got this sort of nice luxury brand feel to it as well, to be like, oh, who's Williams? We keep him out the back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we keep him out the back. He gets the royalties and um, it, it all works beautifully. And if, and if a client needs a patient person to talk to for an hour and a half about colour, like we, we send oh, them yeah. over. How exciting. Um, But that's really amazing. I think you got such, it it really speaks to what a, I guess, like a a long-term good investment, a good branding process is. I mean, I've just kind of recently gone through it and it sparked this conversation with a lot of my clients of trying to talk about, I guess, like the justification for making that kind of what feels like a pretty meaningful investment at the time. And it is, but, you know, these if you work with the right people, these things tend to have a lot of longevity, don't they? I mean, your branding looks as good today as it did in 2013, I think. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it's just deeply connected to what we love about design in its simplicity and in its, I don't know if humility is the right word, but it's just, it's just, it's a little understated. But in saying that, I think having gone through the process, made the investment and have seen what that's done, we're very open to probably getting close to needing to getting actually to that stage yeah, yeah where we probably just need to actually have a bit of a at least question and do a bit of reflection on where that sits where we are and is that you know are totally. we missing an opportunity with that yeah and I mean I think you described it so perfectly that it's really got nothing to do with how the website looks um because yeah. the website looks great like you would not be considering going into that process again because you have concerns about the website you're your business change, your process has changed, your service has changed, your team has changed, like your values have changed. Like that's what needs to be re-looked at again to make sure the branding fits with that, right? Like it, again, it comes to that conversation I've been having about branding with, with my clients. It, I've been trying to kind of uh, explain that, no, I mean, the website is cool, but what has been really beneficial already has been I've changed how I completely changed how I structure my fee proposals now. Mm. I've added new fees for things I wasn't charging. Like it's not just a monetary thing, but some of the conversations as part of that branding process, they sort of spark completely new ideas about approach. And, you know, I think like I was going, well, if I'm this sort of consultant, like if this is where I see my brand being, I need to do this differently and this process needs to change and I need to add more time there and less time there and all these sorts of adjustments you make as part of that process. And I feel like that's the exact experience you guys kind of had there where it was, you know, about looking at your process. And so the the benefits of that process for you are probably immeasurable in terms of how much it improved your service or made things happen. Like everything changed at some fundamental level, probably. Yeah, without a doubt, that simple, simple piece of uh, 
thought that we had to put into, you know, sit down and really articulate what it is that we take a client through has given us a framework that is continually evolving in terms of how can we do that better? And again, it's just brought this consistency to client experience as well. And so both externally and then internally with the team as well, you know, the team's comfortable talking a client through what the process is going to be, what that's going to be called and what's going to happen at each step of that process. And that stemmed from the the rebrand. So as part of looking into you guys a little bit deeper before this conversation, I was looking at your article with ADR and you sort of, there was this description of the studio as kind of evolving through these stages that you kind of marked out in terms of the leadership changes and and kind of the structure of the practice but the, the kind of the brand evolved and I'm just wondering if that was something it's something that was primarily about that that rebrand as a major inflection point where everything changed and suddenly you guys went from as you described in the article kind of a pragmatic practice and a, just a more kind of I guess like typical architecture practice in a way and then something changed and you turned into much more of this brand um, and that sort of stood out a little bit more and sort of operated a bit differently. Was was the rebrand kind of that pivotal thing or was there just sort of more of an incremental change in evolution where you guys went from pragmatic to more, I guess in the article you said sort of humanist or humanistic yeah. or emotional yeah. or some, something changed. <laughs> yeah, the emotional Italian got got a bit louder. Um, Is it basically the emotional Italian got involved <laughs> and then suddenly like the brand became emotional and Italian? Is that the problem? Nah, or it's no? emotional from day dot. Um, oh, I love it. No, I, look, I think um, obviously the rebrand gave us this visual that gave us this sense, sense of confidence, but there's a few things happening all at once. So the rebrand, I guess at that point in time, we just sort of completed a few workspaces. So um, small office fit outs, um, the law offices, for residential clients. So we'd done their house and then they wanted us to have a look at their workspace and um, kind of seeing the transformation of their businesses and themselves through that process really kind of drove home to us, I guess, the power a space has to do a lot of talking for you on a business front. So you know, there was this conversation, you know, sort of bubbling away. Rob and Dave at different times had talked about, you know, buying a building and, you know, creating our studio there. And then Dave and I were going to meet a potential job, which definitely didn't eventuate. It turned out to be a um, Indian takeaway shop that was definitely, we were never going to be the right fit for. But on the walk back to our current studio, we sort of were just strolling. So through the CBD. And I think I pointed out a building that my partner and I were looking at um, as this pie in the sky idea of like there was a top floor for sale that was currently fitted out as a Chinese restaurant, but it was for sale for like maybe just under a million dollars or something. It was in this crazy location, huge space. And we were like, it's just, it's kind of crazy that there are these spaces within the city that are just empty and vacant and not used. And and Dave had sort of pointed across the road to a beautiful um, old um, heritage building he's like oh that's my, my father's law office I remember spending you know weeks there during the holidays this beautiful old building you know that's that's got nothing in it at the moment it just sort of started this conversation a few days later I was taking a stroll again from our studio up to meet some friends at a pub and walk past the Darling building which had this Felice sign out the front I just snapped a photo um, with my phone sent it to Dave and said we should find out who's buying this and see if we can rent a space off them and then, you know, his, he started ticking over. We sort of, we were doing some residential work for a client and knew that they were a property developer. We were doing some designs for um, a residential um, development that they were doing. And Dave was just out on site, happened to say, oh, do you ever sort of um, look at commercial spaces? And through that conversation, they revealed they, that was their predominant work, actually. They owned a lot of space within the city. And, you know, Dave just sort of said, oh, have you seen this building? And that was kind of the beginning of this idea of, would you be interested in buying this building? We might want to rent a floor off you. And then he sort of turned around and said, well, would you guys want to be a part of the project? And we were like, oh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that, again, see, this is probably a year-long process, it felt like, of negotiation. And maybe it wasn't quite that long, but... There were many points in the process where I thought this is not going to happen. There's no way it's going to happen. And then it somehow did. And we found ourselves part owners in this incredible four-story building in the city, which no one quite knew what to do with. It was part of a larger development next door and the developers just couldn't find a way to make it stack up. Um, But we were like, we we can do this. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so the 
alongside the branding was this we knew we were going to be moving into this space and this was our opportunity to kind of you know unfettered just really demonstrate what we were about um the building was sort of you know had everything we loved about buildings it was storied it was sort of you know it was unloved but it just had so much um untapped potential and you know it took several false starts having quite ambitious plans and finding out that that just did not stack up financially or from a engineering perspective and really just having to again lean into what it is that I think we find works best for us which is this idea of just value and restraint what is the best thing we can do for this building in the gentlest way like what is the you know the smallest move we can make that has the biggest impact and obviously interiors being such an integral part of our process and this building being essentially an interior kind of rework but with that architectural sort of understanding of what's possible this alongside the rebrand became this really obvious demonstration of you know what we're about and I think it just built this confidence and so it just felt far easier to talk about your approach your values when you're sitting in a space that really demonstrates it our previous office was just a generic very sort of sad little office space and we arrived here and it was just kind of like oh yeah. we're in a different world now. Um, and yeah. yeah, it really, it just, yeah, it, it completely shifted us. Wow. I mean, you're the first person on the podcast to mention a space as being, which is yeah. kind of ironic for an architecture podcast, but um, the space <laughs> being having a big, you know, influence on like shaping and growing the brand and the practice. Um yeah, that's odd. <laughs> I, I know, it. isn't it? Like I was, you know, I, when I was reflecting on it, I was like, well, duh, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, like, but, you know, it's not always possible. Yeah, yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the ultimate walking the talk. You know, yeah. people walk in here and we can point to things and they're just, they're immersed. It's, yeah, yeah it's, um, it's a very powerful thing. And it's a powerful thing for in, us individually and for the team too. It actually has really allowed us to take a really positive step forward. Architecture is still a pretty physical in-person business, isn't it? I mean, it's, yep. you know, it's not like you guys are doing this from Zoom with your clients and stuff. You were probably momentarily, but, you know, it's all about that. And I'm, I'm guessing that your office and just like the, the level of that space, it really gives you guys a competitive advantage, I imagine, just in terms of... No question. The old darling does a lot of heavy lifting. I yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. It's absolutely, yeah, it's out there spruiking you guys. I think you mentioned earlier you said something also does a lot of the talking for oh, you. It's, yeah, it's very powerful in that a client will come in and, you know, they're going to be spending, we like to talk a lot uh, in our meetings, yeah, yeah. so we're trying to be more efficient. But, you know, they spend a couple of hours in the space and it's you can just sort of see them kind of sitting back, kind of taking it in and, yeah, it just, it, it embodies what we love about design yeah. and yeah, can't say enough about it. <laughs> well, you mentioned to me that there was going to be some sort of new developments in the future with the studio and some new ideas and things like that. And we don't have a whole lot of time left this morning. So I really do want to make sure that we, we kind of cover that stuff. So I am curious. I mean, it's always interesting to sort of ask people about what their plans for the future are, because I think sometimes that's, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about, well, what did you do in the past to get to this point today? But I think sometimes when we have a conversation about where you sit right now, what do you think is kind of interesting at the moment? I've started realizing that sometimes the most interesting topics kind of come out of that on the podcast. So I am sort of interested with the studio, with the brand, the services. I mean, what's what's new, what's on the horizon for you guys, do you reckon? So I guess COVID, as it has for many people, gave us that moment of reflection and certainly crystallised where we feel we can bring the greatest value and what we want to spend our time doing. And so I think definitely Darling Building is is hopefully going to be a vehicle for us. So the ownership group is actually sold at the end of last year. So we're now, we're officially tenants oh, um, no. in the building. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, but, oh yes, you probably killed it, but yeah. <laughs> oh no, now we're renters. <laughs> yeah, I just, but you know, we, we so we had a moment of consideration. Do we do this again? Do we find a building and do we do this all over yeah. again? And we did sort of start exploring, but she's such a banger. I don't know we're going to find another one anytime soon, just quite as good. So I feel like we've got a little bit more to squeeze out of her. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And and I think having gone through the rebrand process and moving into this space and seeing how it just fundamentally shifted the type of work that we're doing and the way that we're doing it, and we're kind of, I guess, as many practices where 
carrying over a lot of the work from home. So, you know, the studios become a pretty flexible environment where I guess we acknowledge that for lots of different reasons, whether that's family commitments or just how people work in their best area of strength. There's a, you know, there are periods where we feel like we have surplus space to what we need just from a studio perspective. So we're sort of looking at how we, I guess, rework our space to maybe give a little bit more of that flexibility and feeling of home to the team. And alongside that, obviously, the experience that brings for our clients. So it's very much a ideas kind of space at the moment in that we don't have a solid plan, but it's kind of our next step. And I guess alongside that, we've got some allied kind of ideas in terms of creating our own range of, we've designed some, well, we do often design custom pieces for projects and talked about this idea of like maybe collecting those into um you know, something that allows them to then, you know, be shared with other designers and other projects um, and how we can do a little bit more with that. And again, I guess um, as a creative outlet, it gives us that opportunity to create some elements of of design that are kind of really quite pure in terms of representing us and what we do. And so we sort of see the reshaping of this space to potentially be maybe a gallery slash shop showroom. You know, from the moment we've moved here, I've really loved the idea of having more of opening it up more to the community, giving them an opportunity to come and experience it and be in it beyond just engaging the, our services. So yeah. um, there's lots of, yeah, lots of thoughts around how we do that. And as I mentioned before, we're sort of, you know, we're probably at a point where we're looking to do a bit of a refresh or at least a reflection on where the brand sits. So a couple mm. of exciting things in the works there. Yeah. Interesting. So in terms of opening up the, the, the retail side of things, mm. I think that's really interesting and there's been a couple of guests that have come on that have spoken about this idea of you know going from the rather than the custom bespoke thing for each individual client as a service we start thinking more about products but also you're talking about just engaging with the public and having a different kind of business which I think is really interesting as well I think I remember you know when we first spoke about this maybe a couple of years ago I think so this is something that's been in the works for a while thinking about developing out a second business or line of business for the studio as well Definitely. Yeah. So we sort of have a working title. It's more than a working title really, but from Adelaide with love. So Mm. this idea that we could create something with an Adelaide perspective, that the idea that this could just be a collective that might actually curate and source product from anywhere in the world and just kind of Mm. hold that alongside pieces that we design and make here. There's, we've got Mm. some incredible craftspeople here that we sort of collaborate with there's a collective called handmade and found and we also work Mm. with um, the jam factory where we design and make pieces in collaboration with them and the thought with that was these are pieces that could then filter into our projects be available to other designers and beyond and you know maybe give us the opportunity to I guess find a way to give back as well so you know the idea that we could have a giving aspect to this business so an idea that I could keep holding on to and do nothing with for the next 10 years, but we do have some great drivers within the business with our studio manager and design manager that are sort of, you know, kicking it along in terms of let's actually get a plan in place for how this works, who it's for, and kind of figure out, I guess, as part of that rebrand, does it sit within, is it within WBL or is it its little sister sister company that sits alongside, but exciting to kind of move towards. And sort of the thought that just sort of sprang to mind was that, you know, thinking about other studios that have explored some of these other entrepreneurial ideas and ventures with their brand and realizing that there's different kinds of customers out there that may not be their typical kind of client, but there's other ways that they can operate. Talking about it as part of your business plan, or I guess like the trajectory of the practice, Do you think that there's like a point that or a size that the studio gets to or a certain amount of turnover or number of projects or something where at a certain point your priority is it doesn't necessarily make sense or it isn't attractive to focus on getting to a big step up with the practice to go from say 16 people to like 36 people where you start going okay there's maybe like a level that we feel like the business is sort of like optimal at this size this is where it's at its best but now we're interested in sort of expanding horizontally rather than, you know, rather than just like increasing, becoming a bigger and bigger and bigger architecture practice. Like, I guess I'm just sensing a bit of a pattern in studios that maybe get to a point where they start going, you know what, growing the studio now is not the most 
is yeah. not the best option. Is that kind of, is there any connection at all between you uh, guys thinking about that conversation and then some of the other business ideas that you're exploring? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I guess that, you know, the thought of scaling up and just getting bigger, I just know what that means on a day-to-day level in terms of what that would mean for me. And, you know, yeah. I'd be doing far more managing and a lot less designing. Yeah. And again, that, that moment at COVID really sort of said, what do you, what do we, what do we want to be doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you want to be spending your time doing? And so I think we're both Dave and I sit in a similar boat that we don't really have that desire to, to grow bigger. Yeah. I think it's more about, you know, really getting better and better at identifying the right projects to be involved in and then becoming our own generators of projects or work. So from Adelaide with Love is, you know, is one of those arms. The other is, you know, how do we take what we've learned out of the Darling building and sort of become the generators of this idea, connect up with these developers and and kind of leverage those relationships that we've sort of built to, to kind of be the generators of the idea and the project as opposed to, you know, being, I guess, more reactive and accepting work so that, you know, acknowledging we're in this wonderful purple patch at the moment, but I think, you know, that can't go forever. And, you know, I think what we're trying to do is just get to a point where we can be a little less reliant on that, the mainstay of work being resi Mm. and sort of just broaden out a little bit. And at the same time, yeah, strengthen the brand and really tap into that area of best value that we feel we can bring. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. And I think it definitely yeah, makes sense. It's also just kind of gives you guys some interesting other pursuits as well in oh, terms of, you know, after so many years in business doing what you do, I'm sure it's still very exciting and fulfilling hundred percent, but every now and then I bet it, you just kind of fantasize about, wouldn't it be nice to just have a retail brand and have an e-commerce store? And it's just like a completely different, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so you walk into really beautiful stores and you go like, you know what? I like the product business more than the service business oh, today. Yeah. I want I to just... be in product. I just want to yeah. have a gift shop. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Maybe that's, that's a fun change of pace, I think, from dealing with clients every day as much as we love them. But yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess without sort of, you know, one of the, and it sort of talks back to that, you know, the whole styling thing and how do you decide what to put in there? And I guess one of the things we talk about a lot is celebrating life's daily rituals. You know, how do you find a way to bring kind of that magic to just the way that coffee cup and the thing just kind of sits on the bench and therefore how that makes you feel. And I think, you know, there's actually, it can sometimes seem really surface and really shallow, but objects and compositions can really affect how you feel. They can really either add to your day or take away from it. And I think it's just finding a way to make that a little bit attainable. So yeah, you might not be able to get a full blown um, Mm. interior or or a building sort of done by us, but you could get a beautiful set of cups or, you know, um, just those little moments that kind of elevate, um, yeah, elevate your simple things. Yeah. Sophia, I love it. We have to finish up there. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dave. Such a big fan. So it's a bit of a thrill to be here. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. That was my conversation with Sophia Leopardi from Williams Burton Leopardi. If you'd like to learn more about Williams Burton Leopardi, you can visit designbywbl.com.au or follow them on Instagram at designbywbl. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you.